Welcome to the Harrison Faith Church Podcast. You're about to hear another inspirational message from Pastor Brian Herring. It's our prayer. This message is an encouragement and blessing to your life. I want to talk about other things. I want to talk about your heart, where you line up with what God is doing here at Harrison Faith Church. Uh, And so with the heart of the house, you can turn to Matthew chapter 9, and if you're taking notes, the title is uh, Creating a Heart of Compassion. So if you're taking notes, just write that at the very top, Creating a Heart of Compassion. I believe that's what God wants us to do. Uh, Sometimes it's hard to see past crowds. In fact, all we do is see crowds, right? Uh, if you go to a football game, it's us against them, right? In fact, at the Super Bowl last week, many of you chose the side. You either chose the Chiefs side or you chose the Tampa Bay Buccaneer side, all right? And so you, you did, and either your team did really well or your team very highly disappointed you. <laughs> either the refs were right on with all their calls or they were lousy refs and made a lot of bad calls depending on which team you were rooting on, Right? <laughs> uh, if you go to a, a football game or a basketball game, depending on what side your kid's on, there is a good side and a bad side. It's us against them. And that's the way we see life. There's crowds. There's us against them. But one of the things that's so powerful is that when Jesus looked at, at, at the crowds, he saw individuals. He saw people. People were important to Jesus. Jesus saw a lot more than just a bunch of group coming at him. He saw Bill, Tom, Mary, uh, Jeff, Jennifer, Jessica coming in. He, and the wonderful thing, amazing thing about Jesus, he saw their backstory instantly. So Jesus didn't just see problems, he saw opportunities. When he saw the crowd moving in, he didn't go, oh, I don't have time for this. <laughs> when that phone rang or that text came in, he didn't go, what do they want now? I'm going to let it go to voicemail and see if it's really important. <laughs> Because we've all done that, right? We've all had those moments of weakness and frustrations, and we go through those times where we're just like, I just don't have it in me. I don't have it in me to, to, to see past that moment. And so um, we see another text from the church come through, and we're like, I already had five today. Why am I getting another text from the church coming in? But they want me to go to another event? I've already got other events to go to. Why do they want me to go to these events? And, and then you want to text stop, but then you know you're going to be at church next Sunday, and we're going to ask why you text stop. Then some people watching on live stream said, you can do that? (laughs) No, you can't. Mm -mm. No. Um, (laughs) We see masses of people. We see it all the time. We see it on the news. We see masses marching. We we, we don't know backstories. That's what I love about Jesus. Jesus would instantly walk up to a group, and he could pull out uh, their backstory, what was going on. He could walk up to individuals by a well. He could walk on. He could walk through a crowd. Everybody touched him and know that someone touched him differently than everybody else is touching him. It was just so miraculous. And so I think if we're going to be like Jesus, we have got to get to a place where we see more than just the crowd coming in each week and the crowd at Walmart. Because <laughs> isn't it funny when our family walks in, we look in and we're the sane ones and everybody else is the idiots? Look at all these idiots. Took all the bread and milk. What were you coming for? <laughs> bread and milk. <laughs> and so you're like, there's no bread and milk. I can't believe there's no bread and milk. Don't they know there's an ice storm? Yes, they did. And they got there before you did. <laughs> so who's the real idiot? <laughs> Somebody planned a little better. Boss, I got to get off early. There's bread and milk and it's going like that, you know? And you're like, I'll just get it on the way home. Dumb. <laughs> we go through these things. Everybody else 
is that, that, that does something else. We all treat like that. We go through stores, we watch people on, 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 in events, and we just think everybody else has those things. And so it's hard to believe it. In fact, some of us, when we're in this room, and some of us are watching online, we get this. Uh, we don't like crowds because we're introverts. Now, I'm going to tell you a secret that only the, the staff and people who really know me best know. I'm really an introvert. I'm not shy. That's different. There's a difference. An introvert basically means this. I pull away to recharge. When I've had busy days and I've gone on and on, and you look at the, the, the true, some of the true definitions of it, it means they pull away to, to, to get themselves together, to recharge, to get it. I, I don't, when I'm at the end of my day, I don't want to have uh, 10 more meetings. I want to pull away. And so I pull away to recharge. I go to my little quiet place. I recharge. I come back out. I'm ready to go. Other people, they're extroverts. They recharge by being around lots of people. We had a kids pastor here uh, that served one time, and uh, we would go through a big outreach softball tournament, and they're like, who wants to go to the church and play volleyball? And we're like, not me. I'm going home. I'm tired. I'm exhausted. I don't want to do one more thing. Who wants to go get something to eat? You're just kind of wild. It's that different idea. Uh, and so when you really look at the life of Jesus, I always compare it like this. I'm just really like Jesus. He pulled away to recharge. He'd go minister to the crowds by the beach. He says, I'm going to the mountain. Y'all go home without me. In fact, we have this kind of joke at my house. It's not, they, don't, they know it's not really a joke, but I kind of joke so that I don't get in too much trouble. But forever, Fridays were my day off, and I had them alone. And they were the best of times. I could study, I could pray, I could watch a movie. Nobody asked me anything. I could put a thousand things in my nothing box, and nobody asked me what was in my nothing box. But now, I have a daughter who's Zooming college She's there all the time. My wife is there all the time. Her, her, her work schedule's changed where she's off on Fridays. And they're a pleasure to be around until I want to be alone. <laughs> they don't do anything wrong, but they're just messing up the quietness of my day. And so I get up, and I haven't had my first cup of coffee, and I'm so glad you're up. I've been waiting for this moment all morning long so I can ask you everything about what's going on around the world. And I'm like, <laughs> I need to watch the news in the other room. Or I go somewhere else. But it's just, just me. It's, maybe that's not you, but that's just me. I've got to pull away to recharge. And so it takes me a moment to get geared up and ready for the crowd. Even the small crowd at home. Uh, see, but what I'm learning through all this is that it's really a heart issue. Many times we don't want to face the crowds because our heart is not in it. And I think that if we're going to get out of the funk of 2020 and really move into what God wants us to do in 2021 is we're going to have to learn to re-engage with people. We're going to have to learn to see people better than crowds. And we're going to have to realize there's opportunities out there, not problems. And so Jesus saw people differently. Jesus displayed certain convictions uh, we need to develop in our own heart, in our own life, and the compassion that we need to live. And so I want to give you four... Uh, convictions that create a heart of compassion. And we're going to start in Matthew chapter 9, and we're going to read, begin reading in verse 35. And it says this, Jesus traveled through all the towns of the villages of that area, teaching in the synagogues and announcing the good news about the kingdom. And he healed every, or, uh, he healed every kind of disease and illness. And in verse 36, it says, but when he saw the crowd, and I'm just going to pause right there for a minute and just tell you this. Here's the first thing. Here's the very first thing you need to write down. Jesus cares far more about the individuals in the crowd than the size of the crowd. 
So this is a great illustration. Who knew that we would uh, be facing a snow apocalypse and the crowd would be down today? I did. Jesus did. Well, what a great opportunity. Because Jesus didn't ever get upset about the size of the crowd. We do. If you're a life group leader, you're like, crowds don't matter. But in your side, you're thinking, why did nobody show up today? And you beat yourself up. And you think, what did I do wrong? Why won't they come? Why won't they do this? If you're a pastor, you, you, you realize this is a different time, a different age, and, and there's storms outside. Well, there's not really that bad yet, but it's coming. Um, there's all these different things. There's rain, but, but you get in there and you think, why did everybody come to church? But the reality is uh, there were reasons, but we get caught up in the size of the crowd rather than individuals. But Jesus never did that. He looked who was there, and he always saw who was there in the moment. He could see lepers in the crowd. He could see uh, beggars in the crowd. He could see people in wealthy positions who were struggling because of other things. He would walk in a crowd and look up in a tree and see a little man, a little tax collector, who calls everybody that he's walking with problems and say, hey, what are you doing up there? Come down. I'm going to your house today. We're going to go have tea. <laughs> At least that's the way the song went. Zacchaeus was a wee little man. A wee little man was he. He climbed up in a sycamore tree just to see what he could see. And he said, Zacchaeus, you come down. <laughs> For I'm going to your house today. Anyway. So, there's always these moments where Jesus saw individuals. He saw people, and he'd pull them out of the crowd. And I wonder, as, as the people, as the body of Christ, and at Harrison Faith, we believe that everybody's a, mem- mem- a minister, so everybody has the ability and the authority to minister and be called of God. So you're called of God. God's calling on your life is no different or less than mine. So if God's called you, who is God calling you to minister to? See, Jesus had that unique ability to look at individuals far more than the crowd. Seems obvious to see that. It seems obvious to do that. Just Jesus saw people. Why would we see people? How many times this past year did we look at we just saw crowds? Give me a few examples. Mass versus anti-mass. Those even came in the church. <laughs> All lives or blue lives matter versus black lives matter. Liberal versus conservative, Republican versus Democrat, vaccine versus anti-vaccine, poor Pastor Brian, no, I'm guessing. <laughs> There's all these different things. There's these different things that we look at, but we, we, we immediately put ourselves in different classifications. We are, we are the, the group, the, the people that immediately says, that's a group that's a bunch of weird idiots. They believe all this stuff. They have all these wild conspiracies. That's the group over there that lies all the time. I can't believe they would lie like that. Why would they put so much stuff out there as false? And we tend to get angry and frustrated because, at a group of people and individuals we know nothing about. Because we don't know their story. Jesus never saw people in groups. He never looked at it and says, you're a Democrat, you're a Republican, you're hopeless. He never saw people as pro-Trump, anti-Trump. He never saw people as pro-Joe Biden, uh, uh, anti-Joe Biden. He saw people as individuals, and he went to them and he ministered to them right where they were at. He didn't look at if they were poor. He didn't look if they had addictions. He didn't look if they were rich. He didn't see if they were well off with a great uh, uh, retirement plan or if they were barely making it paycheck by paycheck. He didn't push people away because of that, but rather he drew them in because of that. And he says, they've got a story, and because of that story, I want to minister to them. I want to be, he was a light in darkness. 
That's who he was. The gospel is filled with stories uh, of Jesus seeing people through the crowds uh, who desperately needed him in their lives. Uh, and and we, we get so caught up, we can even get into small crowds. We know the story where Jesus is in a house and uh, this woman comes in and she throws perfume and starts wiping his, his feet with her tears and her hair. And, and, and the, the, everybody in the crowd says, if he knew what kind of woman this was, he wouldn't let her do that. And Jesus said, it's because of this woman and who she is, I'm letting her do it. You see, here I am, I'm an honored guest in your home, but you didn't offer me a, a basin to wash my feet. You didn't greet me. And here she's never stopped greeting me or, or washing my feet since I've gotten here. She's gone far above. She's treated me more like an honored guest than you who invited me to begin with. So much more, and, and, and Jesus created people that wanted to be lifelong followers because Jesus cared about people. At what point in our life, in what part in our hearts, in what part of, in our Christian walk did we stop caring about people? When did we stop caring about people? I don't think we mean to, but I'll, I'll be frank with you, it, it was a whole lot easier to get volunteers for the, for the station for the homeless to stay overnight in 2019 than it was 2020. It was a whole lot easier to get people to serve at doors and in kids ministry and in youth ministry in 2019 than it was 2020. Show up to extra events. It was a whole lot easier to get people here when everything was easier. Verse 36, it was on after that. He says when he saw the crowds, verse 36 says he had compassion on them. To Jesus, this means this. Write down this for your second point. Everybody matters. Everybody matters. Everybody matters. Everybody matters. That not the people that you get along with, not the people who are just like you, not all those. Everybody matters. Broken people. In fact, when I came in here and they were worshiping and they said uh, something's about to break, I told Caleb, "You ought to get just a pot. Come up here, and just slam it on the ground." <laughs> And say, something's about to break. Is that to get our attention, right? Sometimes we need to see something physical for something that's already happening on the inside. I think for some of us, we already feel broken. This song's about a spiritual breakthrough, and I'm not taking away from the song, but sometimes I think some of us feel so broken, we need that old song to come back, the potter, where he puts all the pieces back together. Because that's what we feel. See, Jesus cared. In fact, Jesus cares about the least, cares about the last, and he cares about the lost. We have a group in our church, and I know Melissa Harp's watching online because I saw her peeking a while ago, uh, but it's called His Hands Extended. His Hands Extended have reached out to more people in 2020 than they ever did in 2019. They reach out to a group that was so uh, neglected by not just our church, but by many churches. It's the people who are shut in uh, in a nursing home. It's the people who have long-term illnesses. See, when someone starts out with cancer, boy, we're good at the beginning because we feel so compassionate. But when you've done years and years and years of caring for someone, it, it weighs heavy upon friends, relatives, spouses, and churches. So you fall off to the deal, and all of a sudden people say, has anybody checked on Jim lately? And they don't mean to be that way, but that's just the way it is. So birthed out of this problem... His Hands Extended was born. And a group of right now ladies, we've had men serve from time to time, they have reached out and written cards 
sent meals, made phone calls, and visited, when possible, more people this past year than ever before. In fact, in November, this group of small, and I wish I would have pulled up the number of how many are actually serving right now, a small group of ladies have reached in November 270 individuals. And they shattered that number in December by reaching over 274 in the single month of December. Isn't that incredible? Man, they're doing the work of the deacon, seeing the widow, the, the orphans, the lost, those that are long-term sickness, those who, 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 who nobody always, uh, that's not good proper English, let me rephrase that, uh, people that we sometimes accidentally neglect because of our busyness, because it's easy to look at the nursing home and see a group and not individuals. It's easy to drive by and say, oh man, I would hate to one day wind up Versus saying, man, I really ought to care for those individuals. It's tough. In our church, one of our number one core values, which is the value we focused on in 2020, was every soul matters to God. Every soul. Old, young, wealthy, poor, sick, lame, whoever you are, every soul matters to God. And so in December this past year, we took a lot longer than we meant to. We finally got launched, our Celebrate Recovery, and we are going strong. And do you know this, that any one of you can, can show up and go to it anytime. On Thursdays at 6 o'clock, it's for anybody with a hurt, habit, or hang-up. You can go, you can show up, and, and trust me, if we were really be honest, we all have either a habit, hurt, or hang-up. Uh, and if, if we don't, just come sit in my office, we'll point it out to you eventually. Um, because I love pointing out your problems over mine. <sighs> it's tough dealing with ourselves, right? Jesus sees individuals. So we started our Celebrate Recovery, and then one of the things we didn't get to, to do in 2020, but we're planning on launching in 2021, is we're planning on reaching one of the largest unreached people group in Northwest Arkansas, and that is our kids with special needs. We launched out starting with meeting with Ability Tree, and it didn't work out. But one of our things that we care about is we want to reach a, a generation of kids who aren't being reached right now, that families that actually have felt unwelcome coming to church because their kid acted out a certain way, but they didn't know how to deal with it. And so they sent them to set with the parent or sent them home. Uh, we want to build a sensory room. We want to train our youth workers, our kids workers, and all of our host team how to deal with with special needs kids so that parents have a place to bring their kids that, that they know that they are welcomed and that will make all the difference in the world. If the door is open, they'll come because many people either don't attend church at all or they attend online only because they don't feel like they could bring their kid to a church. Isn't that a shame? What a family we could reach if we do this. And so while we live in a culture that's dehumanizing and uh, is unhumane at times, we... Uh, and we tend to objectify people, we need to rehumanize people once again and reach out to them. We need to understand that everyone uh, bears the image of our creator, that everyone is born, uh, uh, is, looks like the image of our creator. We are. We were created in his image. Uh, we have a soul, spirit, and, and body. Uh, and Jesus died for anyone willing to trust him. In verse 36, it picks up, this is the last part of verse 36, it says, because they were confused and helpless, like sheep without a shepherd. I think that describes 2020 more than anything else. I think we've all been there at some point. We're not there today. We were there at some point where we were just confused and helpless. I don't know what to do. I don't know how to fix. I don't know how to... Listen, we have people in our home we don't know how to help. Mental, un mental health 
and its unstableness is at at an all-time high right now. And the pandemic just basically blew it up and made it, put a shine, a big spotlight on it and made it even more noticeable. People are feeling down, depressed. They're going through greater low swings than upswings. Um, it's been a very tough year for people that are struggling with these anxiety and depression. In fact, if we were to be honest here, and if we were honest online, I said, how many of you would just acknowledge that says that you struggle with panic attacks? Uh, I think people would be overwhelmed by what they'd see in the room, but I'm not here to embarrass anybody. I think we were to ask you to just comment online, have you struggled with panic attacks? People would start typing and say, I've struggled with panic attacks. I think we'd be blown away by the numbers of people that says just in the middle of the day, for no reason at all, they'll just have a panic attack and not know why. Some people have had to pull over on the side. They'll say, Pastor, I don't understand. I'm just driving along. All of a sudden, I just feel it hit me. I have to pull over, and I can't even get myself to put myself back in gear until it passes. And I, I, I try to calm my breath in. I try to pray. I pray worship music and nothing makes it leave. I just don't understand. And, and I've had these before, but never like I have now. And this, but this past year has brought on more anxiety, more depression than any other time. The church should have never, but even more so now, should never turn a blind eye to mental health. It's real. It's a problem. And people need Jesus and need God's delivering power and they need uh, uh, Christian representation and counselors more now than ever before. And we can't ignore it. Let me just say this. You can't cast the devil out of every mental problem. (laughs) You know? All right. Uh, So here's the third thing. Everyone has a story, even you. Everybody has a story. He said this. They were confused. They were helpless. They were with sheep without a shepherd. Everybody has a story, even you. Uh, We're good at hiding our stories. And we're also good at ignoring the stories of others. But everyone has a story. And everyone's story is important. When you go through our annual celebration book and you go back there, you're going to turn in there and one of the first things you're going to see is the story of the Ballard family. You're going to hear about how they started camping with Jesus. We, we baptized her. We talked about it just a little bit. But it's the complete story of everything that started, and it's the long, you need to read it. If I, I was going to take time, but I thought, well, you know, there's just, it's there for you. Go out, grab one, read it, and just begin to read through the story about what God did in their life. Uh, you talk about God doing some amazing stories. It's, it's phenomenal what God has done with that family. Look at the story of the Pillow family and how God's reassuring power during a very difficult time. In life's journey, reassured them that in the hospital with a preemie and how God just reassured them through different things and different avenues and what God's done. Story after story, God has been faithful with the people in this church. Story after story. So, so I, I, there's a Fred, Fred Rogers, which y'all know him as Mr. Rogers, said this. Frankly, there isn't anyone you couldn't learn to love once you hear their story. Never underestimate the impact of your mere existence can have on another human being. There is something of yourself that you leave at every meeting with another person. Isn't that awesome? You can love anybody if you just can learn to hear their story. Most of the time, the best thing you can do is as you sit down with someone, is just get to ask them questions to let them tell you their story. People say they don't, but people really do love to talk about themselves. You just ask open-ended questions. Get them talking. Get them talking about what they want to talk about, not what you want to talk about. Makes all the difference in the world. Sharing your story and listening to others creates vulnerability. And vulnerability 
paves the way for trust, for intimacy, and for relationship. Being vulnerable. You know why we don't like telling our story? We don't like being vulnerable. We don't like humbling ourselves. We don't like coming down to that place and say, look, I'm a real per person with real problems, with real issues, and I'm not perfect. Sometimes I stumble, sometimes I fall, sometimes I just do. We don't like admitting that, do we? Let it seek in. Verse uh, 37, it goes on, it says, He said to his disciples, the harvest is great, but the workers are few. So pray to the Lord of the harvest, uh, who is in charge of the harvest, and ask him to send more workers to the field. Number four, real compassion shows up at service. Real compassion shows up at service. Here, here's the issue. It's real easy for me just to preach, and we preached these messages before. Listen, guys, there's a lot of unsaved people out there, and the harvest is great, but the workers are few, so you need to sign up. But you know what? Nobody signs up. Because nobody's moved with enough compassion to help those that are hurting. In fact, what we always say to ourselves is, man, that's great. I'm so glad our church is doing that. I'm so thankful our church participates in a warming station. I'm so glad that our church wants to reach special needs kids. I'm so glad that our church cares about kids' ministry and youth ministry. I'm so thankful for a hosting that greets people. But I'm just not sure that stuff is for me. Like this, when you signed up for an event and you say, oh, I'm busy, I just can't go, and you don't show up, you don't call, you think you're the only person so nobody will know. What you don't realize is 15 other people also said they are going to show up because they're going to be the only ones and nobody will know they're not there. We need workers. We need people who are moved with compassion to serve because life is better together. And that goes in two different ways. For us, life is better together when we go and attend life group together and we learn together. And life is better when we serve together. The people you connect with the most are the ones you've been in the trenches with. The ones you've been in prayer with. The ones that when you were on a prayer team and you prayed somebody through to salvation. The ones that you were stayed up all night at a, a warming station and you led someone to the Lord and you brought them to the church the next week and you got to go through the emotions and watch them be baptized, get them in a life group and see them connected. The ones that where you brought their family and their kids come in and says, I, I accepted Jesus in my heart for the first time today. Mom and daddy, I want to get baptized. The ones who go to the camp with our youth pastors and they get so on fire for God that you think you got a different kid and, and, and they bring their friends and they get different kids and the parents come in and says I don't know what's happening with my kids but ever since they went to camp they're not different I came to find out what's going on at this church but you know what it takes? More workers the vision is greater than the capacity of, <laughs> that, we, that we have to fulfill it the vision is so great but the workers are not enough to fulfill where we want to head everyone likes the idea that we want to do something but we need hands-on workers. Nobody has been called to sit back and do nothing. Nobody. Nowhere in Scripture. When you read through the Bible, it says, and they were allowed to sit in their chair and sit there until Jesus came back. Hallelujah, amen. They have reached sainthood. 
No, I read people like Methuselah, who read, who's the oldest man that ever lived, who served God every day until God says, man, he's done so well. <laughs> My goodness, I've just got to tell you. You know who Methuselah's dad was? Enoch, who the Lord took because he walked so faithfully to God. I'm telling you, there's story after story in the Bible uh, where, where people who were faithful, God did many great things with, but nobody has been called to sit back and do nothing. I put this in my notes. Well, let me just say this. Compassion uh, doesn't just see the suffering pain of others. Compassion acts. Here's what I put in my notes. It's up there in blue. Go ahead and put it up there. To see the pain and suffering in the world and do nothing about it may just demonstrate the greatest cruelty of all. To see, the, to see what needs to be done and sit back and do nothing and say someone else can do it and be the greatest cruelty of all. To see people hurting, see people without, I know it's fading, but my, that means my sermon's wrapping up. People are, to see people destitute, the people that are going through some of the toughest time in their lives and sit back and says, well, that really stinks for them. And do nothing to reach out and help them. Maybe the greatest cruelty of all times. Jesus didn't just choose to model uh, compassion. He did something about it. He touched people's lives. He, he commissioned his followers to do the same. Now is the time for us to step up and do what he's asked us to do. After all, he didn't, Christ didn't just show up with great compassion to us uh, uh, to show people, but also through supernatural events. He, he calls us to minister to people, and then he also worked in special supernatural events. What is he asking you to do? And where is he asking you to serve? The passage right after Matthew chapter 9, he goes right into chapter 10, beginning in verse 1. It says, Jesus called the 12 disciples together and gave them authority to do what? To cast out evil spirits, to heal every kind of disease and illness. Then in verse 7 and 8, it goes on and says, To go and announce to them that the kingdom of heaven is near. To heal the sick, to raise the dead, to cure those with leprosy, to cast out demons. Give as freely as you have received. Today, Jesus is still choosing, calling, commissioning, equipping, empowering people to show compassion and love and to heal and to preach and to teach and to minister and to serve. So if you are looking for a way to get plugged in and to serve, let me tell you, start by going to Growth Track. Get involved in Growth Track. It'll help point you in a direction to go. This year, our focus is life is better together. For some of you who are at home and you're watching online, this is for you, I've been thinking, what can you do at your home, if you're not ready to come back to church because of the pandemic, you're waiting till this thing's over, how cool would it be if you could get your family, your kids, your extended family, your extended kids to say, listen, every Sunday, we're going to come to mom and dad's house, and we're going to watch the service online together at 10 o'clock, and afterwards, mom and dad are going to cook a meal, and we'll all come together. Listen, kids will show up for food, free food. 
What would happen if at your house you just said, listen, we're going to gather at the house. We're going to come until this thing passes because we're not comfortable going. But we're all going to come together and we're going to worship together. We're going to stand up in the living room and you model worship. You just can't just sit in the deal and talk and everybody be on their phones. Everybody's got to put their phones down. You model worship. You raise your hands. You sing with the songs. You come in and make it your own little house church. You be the priest of your home. You be the pastors of your home. And you just call your family together, your, your kids, your grandkids, and let them come and worship for one day a week. And then after come together and eat and partake of food together and love one another, I think you're going to see a change in your family. Why? Because during the pandemic, when the walls and the, uh, the doors were locked in this building and all we could do is go online, we had spouses and kids start watching with Moms who were attending by themselves. And God moved so heavily upon their heart that they started continuing to watching. And now many are saved and coming to church regular every Sunday because they saw a broadcast that they wouldn't have seen had we not shut and locked these doors. If you give them opportunity, I believe this, that the word of God will not return void. It's faithful to come back. Provide an opportunity. Give them every reason to say yes and open your doors. And I think God could do something even in your home. Find somewhere to serve with new friends. Go and be a part of someone's story this week. But let it start today. I think that God's called us. And this next few, listen, next Sunday and the Sunday after that, we're going to continue this series, A Heart for the House. We're going to talk about different testimonies that have come up. We're going to talk about different things that are coming up. But we want you to dive in and get compassion and find your place to serve. If you're watching online, we want you to find your place of serve. You know what else you can do? We need people who are called to be prayer warriors. We need people who are called to help host uh, online things. We've got, we need people who are involved in, wherever they are. God can use you. But what we need is a lot more yeses and a lot less I'll pray about it. I'm going to pray for you, and then I'm going to turn it over to the worship team. Father, I'm just so thankful, Lord. I'm thankful for your heart. Lord, that when I was unworthy and undeserving, God, you had compassion upon me. You didn't see some punk teenager in the midst of other youth group. You didn't see someone who was causing trouble and frustration, and you saw an opportunity. You saw that excessive energy as an opportunity to serve the Lord in a great capacity as a youth pastor. You didn't see it as bothersome, a nuisance. You didn't see me as an over, just, uh, Lord, frustrating kid. But God, you said I could use that for the kingdom. So, Lord, when the time was right, you brought me to an altar where I surrendered once and for all. Lord, I've never turned back. Lord, raise up new workers. God, we're praying to you, the Lord of the harvest that you would move with great compassion to everyone in this room and everybody watching online and everybody who watches the service after the fact that they would be moved to serve because nobody's been called to do nothing. In Jesus' name.